Okay, so the timestamp is we're at Monday morning. It's February 7th in the United States and in Sweden. Um, it's 9.10.04 Eastern time and later in the day in Sweden. And this is lesson 3.1, layer one. We are starting in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back, beautiful foot nerds. It's Ruth and Mollen here, and we are talking about lesson 3.1 today. Uh, Mollen is a fellow foot nerd. She is an amazing human, and she's also my friend. And we are going to be discussing a concept from a book, and it, it's chapter two. It's called Know Thy Time. So the book is called The Effective Executive. Um, and we'll explain a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But first, we want to thank you for being here. We want to thank you for taking responsibility for your health. And the importance of doing that is not lost on us. So thank you for that. If you have questions or you want to contribute something to this lesson, you will message us on Slack and we will see to it that you get your um, questions heard and answered and your contributions inserted. So let's dig in, Mullen, shall we? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So why are we talking about this book, The Effective Executive, and the concept of knowing thy time? Um, and what does that have to do with our health? So I'll just give a brief background about the book itself and why it's um, showing up in our FootNerd program and why the chapter two is specific to us in particular. So The Effective Executive is a book that's by, by this um, amazing writer called Peter Drucker. And interestingly, the book was written in 1967. So that's like over 50 years ago. But the book still has gold standard relevance today. And it's primarily geared towards uh, leaders, um, CEOs, managerial types, VPs, knowledge workers. Um, and the reason why it's so powerful today is because he breaks down in a very effective way where our shortcomings are when we deal with our time and other aspects. So what this has to do with us foot nerds and, and our health is that um, I'm going to just start with some definitions. So definitions of, so the actual name of the book is very interesting because the juicy stuff is in the smaller print underneath the big title. So it's called The Effective Executive, The Definitive Guide to Doing the Right Things or something like that, like getting the right things done. Um, and the, and there's a couple of things in there. This is about time and how we, what we do with it and the definitions of time and what, how we are naturally as humans. And effective, uh, the meaning of effective is, does the thing that we do and that we intended to do actually have the outcome that we wanted it to have? So if we were effective, like we put that thing, we're like, oh, I'm going to do that thing. When we actually take action to do that, does it have the desired outcome? Executive means anyone who has managerial or um administrative responsibility. So when we think of that, we naturally think of people in charge of groups of other people or politicians or managers or what have you. Um, so why this is important for us is that 
executives in my mind, and I think like the way that we're presenting it here, is that we, if we have 70 to 100 trillion microscopic little replicas of our cells called cells, and we have the responsibility to manage those cells, then we are the executives of our bodies and our health. And I just think that's so, <laughs> so cool. I really love the idea of those little tiny mini-me's, you know, um, the cells. Mm. And mm. then, um, and then with that being said, there's a lot of ideas about time. And it turns out that we don't actually manage our time as humans as well as we think we do. So this is the introduction of why we're talking about this book and this chapter um, with time. And from there, I just want to open it up for Malin to introduce any idea right here that she wants. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to, let's say, add to that maybe that... Um... As footners, one of the key things that we're doing, of course, is taking radical responsibility for our own health. And that in, in, in that definition is also, a, let's say, this managerial responsibility of your own time and your own health that is really important to, to manage in a, in a good way in order to be truly healthy. And there's really no one else to do it than, than ourselves when we're working with our own health. Yeah. yeah, it's an inside job, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, so let's start with, so we have some, we have some areas, just big blocks that we want to go through with you. This is going to be a pretty short lesson because a lot of this lesson um, is nuanced in other lessons that we've covered so far and that we will continue to do in the future. So we don't want to be overly repetitive, but we do want to start with we do want to like take the time to like break down and um, put pins in different areas about like why this particular chapter of Know Thy Time is important. So one of the things that Peter Drucker talks about in his book is that, okay, so first of all, we accept that from what Mullen and I are just discussing is that we are, it's our health is an inside job. We're the only ones that can do it. And we luckily have trillions of cells to manage and be responsible for. But according to Peter Drucker in his um, book, he talks about how effective executives are not born. Like we are not naturally very effective with our time, even though we might think we are. And um, we have a tendency, so, so essentially like effective leaders are not born. These are skills that are have to be learned and practiced like so much of what we're doing with our health, right? So the first concept that we want to talk about is the scarcity of time. And, and, and truthfully, I mean, I, I think that this is the, a lot of these concepts that we talk about in our foot nerd program don't seem like they're so like new or innovative or like life shattering new ideas, but there are concepts that we don't really slow down to, to think about, to feel about and to spend time on. Mm. So. When it comes to time, it's our, it, in the book, they talk about time is the scarcest resource. And I love how he talks about it, Mullen, because he says that time is perishable. Like we don't, time is a scarce and unique resource that we don't ever, it's the one thing that we can't substitute. Like if we were building a building, we could substitute brick for wood, or we could use, or if we were baking a cake, we could substitute, you know, maple syrup for brown sugar, or we could, we have substitutes, but there is no substitute for time. Mm 
It's a resource that is unique and it cannot have any substitution. We only get 24 hours to manage. It's, uh, it's scarce. It's the scarcest resource. It cannot be um, substituted for, and it's inelastic and perishable. Like you don't get it back. Like it's, mm. I love the idea of time being perishable. Like you, if once it expires, it's done. You can't, you, you cannot get it back. Yeah. And, and in addition, it's, it's the only resource that everyone has the same amount of every day. Yes. So it's, uh, it's not something that you can really pile up but you have what you have. And it's, as you say, it's a really scarce resource because you, you cannot put it in a big pile and save it up for later. <laughs> so, yes, so it's inelastic, it's perishable. You don't get it back. We all have the same amount. Yep. And so, um, so that leads us into, you know, like what the hell are we doing with it? <laughs> what yeah. are we doing with our time, right? So one of the things... Another concept that Peter Drucker talks about is how we, as humans, we also don't actually know, we can't, our recall and our memory don't serve us very well, right? So um, if we, so it turns out that in studies, so, so we think that we're doing something with our time, but when it's actually experimented with and tracked it's we're not actually very good at remembering what we really do with our time we think we're actually spending it on the things that are the most important but we're not and i'll just say as a precursor to this is that humans it seems by nature we put off the most the things that are the most important to us so like if you for for example if i value community uh, or I value playing, I'll, I'll use a, an example that I'm dealing with right now. Like I love playing the ukulele and I really am learning the piano and I love every day playing Mary Had a Little Lamb, but mm. I will do everything else first that I need to do or every task on my list before the thing that is the most meaningful to me. We just naturally have a tendency to put off the most meaningful thing until the very end when we don't have the energy for it or, or we don't have any more time for it. Yeah. So with that, with that being said, I also think that I've played the piano more than I actually have. Mm -hmm. um, so this is where our memories come into play. It turns out that our memories don't serve us very well when we try to think back about what it was that we did with our time. And in Peter Drucker's book that he talks about these studies where people are put in, which sounds kind of cruel, but I guess like you gotta collect data. <laughs> people are sealed in rooms for periods of time without any sensory um, experience. And we very quickly lose track of how much time has passed. So they say, they talk about like, even in a dark room, we will, a completely dark sealed off room, we will have a, an, an idea of spatial awareness, but we can't at all figure out like how much time has passed. Yeah. So why that's important is that our memories cannot be relied upon to know exactly what we do with our time if, if we're not like paying close attention which is very interesting if you think about like time clocks and everything, but I guess that's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. 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 And that's so interesting because I mean, and I think not only the memory is at play here, but maybe also um, our expectations on ourselves uh, when responding to such surveys, for instance, and maybe our 
uh, thoughts about what others expect from us as well. So maybe there's a tendency also to respond to such service in a way that we would want people to think that we are or that we are spending our time, for instance, which I think is all important to, to keep in mind. So let's say that we remember that we were on social media for one hour, but we know that maybe that's not too good. So we respond that we only <laughs> there for 30 minutes. <laughs> What, is, what do you mean humans lie? <laughs> we lie. We, I mean, we, we, we embellish. Yeah, or we, we, yeah, polish, we, we massage. <laughs> yeah. Polish, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I do that with my husband all the time. <laughs> and we make excuse. I mean, per, I, I make a lot of excuses. Um, yeah. And so one of the things that they talked about in that book is that they would they actually had executives, you know, people like uh, our managers or of, of the, like the department, they would ask them what they did with their time, ask them to recall. And so um, they would say things like, well, I spent a third of my time speaking with um, department heads. I spent another time, another amount of time, you know, doing like the important things that they were supposed, that they, that they wanted to be doing with their time or that they knew would be the most effective. But when the, the time was actually tracked by another human, like the assistant or the yeah. secretary yeah. or whatever the words are, um, they, they, the, 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 actually the, the CEOs and the managers didn't believe when they were reported back to them what they actually did with their time. And it was spent on menial tasks that anybody could do or were not important to get done at all. Yeah. So our yeah our memories are not don't don't serve us very well and we have a tendency to naturally massage our yeah. memory based on like you were saying like expectations of others and stuff. And nowadays you can get that statistics or the data from uh, from your computer or from let's say analytics programs. At least we discussed it last week um, at my work saying that there's the, these tools where, where you can have the tool tell you that, okay, you on average, you respond to your emails within 30 minutes. Uh, you spend this and this amount of time in these types of meetings. And it's two weeks since you connected with this colleague. Do you want to maybe reach out back to us? So it's, yeah, you can get those uh, hints also from, from applications at the moment. But what I noticed also is that people maybe don't want that because that will also give them, I was give just them black, <laughs> black and white what they are actually spending their time on, which is, as you said, usually these tasks that maybe they shouldn't be spending the most time on. Oh, that's so, very interesting because when you have the computer analytics, it's like even more precise, I guess I would say, than somebody else watching you, what you do with your time, yeah, and, yeah. you know? Because if you have two humans, you have two human brains naturally making yeah. errors. But if you have the um, computer analyzing, ooh, that's interesting. Um, okay, so uh, if we don't have anything else about the shortcomings of memory, shall we go on to the next topic, Mullen? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so the next thing I have on my list is um, time audits. So, so let's just say that we understand, we accept the fact that we are the executives of our health 
We under, we recognize that we have the shortcomings of our memory. We, we, we want to talk about a time audit. But before we do that, we want to talk about maybe values. Like first, if we are going, we want to, we want to find out what is it that we're actually doing with our time. I mean, if you don't, if I think the analytics on the computer are great, if you work on, if you're able to have that, um, you know, with your digital time, but, Mm. but like from when we wake up in the morning to when we go to bed at night, are the things that we're doing with our time, the things that are the most meaningful to us or are the most effective for creating a healthy environment in our bodies and in the world around us. So I guess we want to explore together um, with you, the foot nerds, how is it that we are using our time? Does it, does it actually match up with what we want to be doing with our time? And then once we track that, can we make adjustments in, in order to um, get better at using our time more effectively and, and that there is some there is some freedom with a certain amount of structure with our time. So the yeah. idea, yep, go ahead. No, go ahead, sorry. No, that was it. <laughs> yeah, and I think also maybe important to connect it back to how this relates to health, because once you have the values in place uh, and know what's how you spend your time and how that makes you a healthier human being in a sense, even though we've already said that time is a really scarce resource and we can never get it back. If you spend time on things that will make you healthier, you might actually be able to, in the long run, buy yourself some time to have a longer and healthier life, which is maybe one of some goal for, for fitness or others as well. So that's yeah, that- maybe also important to, to have in mind when you, do adjustments after having done your um, time audits. Yeah, that is a really good, that's a very good point. And from personal experience, I can tell you that, well, there's a, a couple of things, right? Like we, we, we have talked in previous lessons about really honing in on what is it that you value? Um, what, are, what are the areas of your health that you want to improve? And where are our blind spots? You know, we have a tendency to have like very, um, even if we think we don't have blind spots, we do. And so just a time audit or, or finding out what is it exactly that we're doing with our time um, and what we want to be doing with our time and like buying a little bit of time because we feel better. Maybe, I mean, I, I've just noticed that since I feel healthier, I do, I am able to get up earlier, a little earlier feel this might be an example of buying a little extra time too, mm-hmm. where I get up a little earlier and I feel rested and excited to start the day um, because of like my sleep routine at night. So it almost does feel like I've, I've, I've stolen some, I've stolen an extra hour where I feel really good. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, kind of. Uh, and also, I mean, if we, if we stay healthier, then, then we can use the time in, in a better way for things that we uh, think are precious to us or, or that we love to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in a sense, I think um, know thy time uh, also requires that you know yourself. Because when you do the time audit as well, um, and hopefully can uh, look into the outcome um, in a way, not judging yourself too much, but also knowing that if you want to change things and how you Uh, spend your time you might need to be a little bit strict on yourself or hard on yourself sometimes to keep to these um, 
maybe not schedules, but to the structure that you create for yourself to, to be able to make healthier choices and maybe know where you like, like you said, when you want to spend time playing the piano, for instance, but maybe you're self-sabotaging sometimes to spend time on other things. So knowing those patterns as well, but that's of course part of other lessons too, but mm-hmm. it all comes no, but- together. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth to, it's worth it to just to just remember that we talked about in our deep work lesson about how the things that are the most meaningful to us are also those things that we resist the most. So that self-sabotage does naturally play a factor in just like what seems to be human nature, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Mullen, will you talk about what a time audit actually is? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can give it a try at least. <laughs> Um, it doesn't have to be really complicated or anything, but just just having uh, on paper or in any way that you like to write down for a certain period of time, maybe it could be days or, or a week or so, where you spend uh, most of your time. I know we had one in the Fritner program last year uh, to where we had an audit of how much time do we sit each day. Mm-hmm. which gave a lot of insights to a lot of Fortners, at least for me, <laughs> even though I think I'm not so much sitting, but when, once you write it down, so for, mm-hmm. for each period that I'm sitting and then I write it down and sum it up for a week, it really gives me some insights. Mm-hmm. So that concept is, is kind of what a time audit is, um, is all about, to track and record in real time uh, what you do with, with the hours in a day. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I think I just wanted to really highlight that real time is super important because yeah. we've talked about that's what the reason why we set the foundation for like the shortcomings of our memory because mm-hmm. I, I, in personal experience like I think what you're talking about Malin too is that when we did that foot uh, that sitting audit I remember that I tried to think at the end of the day I would go back and recall the um, times that the time that I sat, but it was very different than when I did a real time audit. Mm-hmm. And and it does take extra um, effort and vigilance to to track your time initially in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I've been experimenting with. So one of so Nick talks about this a lot about how that you have to recalibrate very often. So this is when we're initially collecting data and experimenting about this stuff. It seems maybe a little bit rigid, like you were saying, or maybe um, you're you have to be really strict. But over time, I love how I love how some of our foot nerds and Nick talks about this too. That structure is freedom. So once oh, you have yeah. collected, once you have collected the time in real time and you have tracked that progress as a as a scientific experiment in the future that's going to give you a lot your, that information will create a lot more freedom once you get your systems in place right <laughs> so tracking real time is very important and and i found recently i've been i've been recalibrating this like time audit over the last 2 years trying different experiments and right now i'm working with blocks of 2 hours mm-hmm. so i will start my day and I'll do blocks of two hours because we need large chunks of time if we can for our, our, the things that we find valuable and our tasks that are the most important to us. And then at the, and then I'll just kind of track it by hand as I go on a piece of paper. Um, and, and, and it works really well for me. And maybe this might be helpful too, as a tip, I write the plan 
And then on mm -hmm. the on a on the column next to it, one column says the plan, and then the column next to it says what actually happened. And that's mm -hmm. very revealing for me because when you were talking earlier about how we tend to like massage the amount of time we were on social media because we don't really want to say because we're a little sheepish or whatever. Um, you're confronted with that. Like what was the plan and then what actually happened? So if I was thinking like I needed to be answering emails, but I scrolled through the Footnerd uh, Instagram page for 20 minutes, it's glaringly obvious right there what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and doing that plan is also uh, a thing that works really well for me is to make some kind of prioritization on, on that plan uh, to, because that's something that I think at least I do it very often. I think it's very common also that people do it to mm -hmm. start with the easy tasks and maybe not the important ones for, for yourself or for what mm -hmm. you need to be to have done during the day and then compare it with what actually happened to see if you really spent your time on the important stuff or the rest of the stuff. I think that's important yeah. to yeah. bring into the evaluation as well. Okay, so there was I wanted to there was something in there too about um all right, so so the time audit is take 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 your time, your 24 hours, and track real time, monitor real time what you're actually doing with it. Yeah. First, before you do that, you have to figure out like what your values are, like what is mm -hmm. it. What are the, like you were saying, what are the most important tasks? What are the most meaningful tasks? And, and become clear about that. The next thing is after you've done a time audit, we want to check our alignment, right? Like what did, did, did the data sets match up? So it's like, just to, just to um, recap that the, what the, what the plan was, what was valuable, was that aligned with what you actually did? So alignment check is, uh, and I think the alignment check is important here to highlight the idea that we talked about expectations of ourselves and from other people. So, or, and, or, or not, or um, maybe not even other people, but maybe it's like religion or whatever it is that is external. That's, that's having an influence on us. Like what are the external influences and differentiating between like, what is meaningful to us and balancing that with like, what is truly important to our little souls because we're just yeah. giant children in adult bodies that need to be nourished in that way um and then what it, and that, that that's not to say that like the external world around us and the influences around us are not important but how do we balance those things so i think it's important about the alignment check that we're not just fully giving over to every little whim and every little desire that our our bodies want and need that's not necessarily being an effective executive it's the balance of all of those things and then it's kind of like a dance right yeah yeah for sure and and i think i find that the question why very useful to use very quite often in terms of where i spend my time so when especially when i feel stressed and i have a lot of things to do that's okay and i look at my list and say okay why why do i need to do this this week why do i need to do this today and so on and then it all comes back to what you said there that have this little alignment check with yourself saying that okay why am i doing it how it is connecting to what's important to me um, and how i spend my time 
James, James Clear has this has these beautiful summations, like bullet points that kind of stick in your head. And he says, um, do less, be clear, know why. Mm. And I think that I, I think that is such an important. I find myself like getting in my head, like these little rhythmic things, like do less, be clear, know why. Okay. Why, why, why am I doing that? Mm -hmm. Is there too many things on, are there too many things on my list? Do I know why? And then do less, do less, do less. That has been something where I'm just really into lately. Like how can I boil this down to like the most meaningful prioritized tasks for work? And then the most meaningful prioritized tasks for like piano or ukulele or, or, tennis you know yeah yeah no because i think it's really important to to keep in mind too that being an effective executive does not mean that you should do as much as possible it's yes it's is as much if maybe not more about doing less and one of the um, famous guys here and he's a norwegian guy is a hotel owner of a big hotel chain here uh, he says one of the most important things that you should do as an executive is to dare to stop more often. Stop mm -hmm. doing things. And it's kind of the same that you said, that do less, know why, and so on. It all comes back to that. That's, that's, that's a very, very essential part, I think, about being an effective executive of your own life and of other things that you do as well. You know, even just talking about this lesson right now and like, coming back to the idea that we are the, just when you said like being the um, executive of your own life, it feels empowering. You know, that's the thing. Like it not only creates, and I've, I've keep coming back to this in other lessons as well. It's like being a healthy human isn't like so much about like having perfect blood panels or like everything being, you know, perfectly fine all the time. It's about improve. It's about improving the quality of our life. All of these mm -hmm. pillars that we focus on with our, t with our time and our, energy are actually delicious aspects of what it means to be human it's not mm. like the health is the end goal it's like each of those pillars sleep is meant to be juicy and delicious and feel great in and of itself not because we want to get to an end point but we have to prioritize the the things i mean i guess it's all so good it's a win-win situation when we prioritize our time doing the things that make us healthier humans and being the best executives. Those are also the parts about like reclaiming the original pleasures of what it means to be human, which I talk about a lot in these lessons. Yeah. yeah. So the alignment check, now we come to systems. So um, I wanted to, I, I like how you talk about systems with such simplicity, Mullen. So I wanted to give you the, the systems topic. All right. Yeah. And, and again, I think um, having a good system for how you spend your time is, is really going to give you more freedom or structure is giving you the freedom. We come back to that a lot, I think, um, because when you have certain, certain things prioritized and you know why and you can give it time slots in your calendar, for instance, or no matter how you do your planning, then you know that you have that allocation ready and then you have freedom to spend the rest of the time um, in maybe other ways that, and also have room for things coming up during the day. But you know that the most important things are already planned in the day so that you can have a, a structure that suits, suits your everyday life. Mm -hmm. And maybe 
in the beginning, depending on where you are, it might even be worthwhile to have a regular structure that looks the same every weekday or every from week to week and so on. So that, you know, on Monday mornings, I do this on Tuesday afternoons, I do this. And then after a while, you don't have to think about it so much because it comes to be a habit, which I think we speak about also, also in another lesson. But what might also be good to think about, which helped me a lot um, not so long ago, and I've started to implement it more, is to maybe divide your time, depending on what you're doing, of course, in brain intensive time and low brain intensity, intensive time. So that at least if you want to keep the energy during the day and let's say be fresher and able to do things, know when in your day that you are having the most energy if you are better off doing things in the morning or if you're a night person better off doing it in the night but then also knowing that if you have like an intense seminar or something presenting something or doing a lecture or whatever it is that might take a lot of brain energy then also mm -hmm. allocate some time afterwards or maybe even before to have recovery planned in your uh, or blocks of recovery in your calendar to make sure that you can feel healthy and, and energized during the day or week or whatever planning slot you're talking about that unstructured time is that unstructured recovery time is so important and i want to mm -hmm. double click that because i think i don't know I assume that everybody kind of goes through this where you start to get good at being an effective executive of your time. And then you realize that you can do more with your time. Mm. Um, and the unstructured recovery time is really huge. And I think it's, for me, it's one of those things that if I have extra blocks and I, I get almost like, I get almost like weirdly excited and almost addicted to doing more because I can. And having unstructured unblocked recovery time is very, very important. So I think that, so how do you do that, Malin? Do you put that, do you, do you actually schedule in the unstructured blocks for recovery personally? Yeah, I do it. I know I, when I look at my calendar, for instance, and I see that, okay, I have a, a management meeting for two and a half hours in the morning, then I know that I need to take a longer break lunch break to get some fresh air or to move around and, and sit down with my lunch and uh, without anything else because and then if I don't schedule it I might on the other hand feel that okay after a long meeting I need to catch up on this and this and this so I kind of need to have that structure to remind myself that yeah I do need the recovery to be able to be effective for the rest of the day because it's actually worth the time doing the recovery um, in order to be able to do or use the time in a better way for the rest of the, the day. So I think that we're at the part where we want to talk about our experiments because mm. we, we've, we've set the stage, Mon and I have set the stage for you to now create an experiment with this. So what you're going to want to do, um, and then Malin, anything you have to fill in, let me know. But I was just going to say that with your, um, the first thing you're going to want to do is create a time audit. So you're going to track your, you're going to track your time, real time. And let's say, you know, for the next seven to 10 days, um, 
as as much as you can. I mean, I, I would say at least seven days, but longer. I mean, the more data that you can collect about your time, the better. I, I find it difficult to to track regularly, so I, I've had to have a, have a few goes at this. Um, so take ten days to start to track your what you do with your time, real time. Manage because we've already talked about values. Start to uh, then look at your alignment check. Is what you're doing with your time what you want to be doing with your time? Make the plan, compare that with what actually happened. Talk about it with your learning partner and your pod mates, and then start to make adjustments. So this is something that you'll want to recalibrate often. I mean, this is not just like a one, in my experience, it's not a one-time thing. It seems like depending on the time of year or what's happening or as, as life changes, we have to recalibrate and maybe do time audits on a regular basis. So anything else you wanna add here? No, not really. I think you put it in a good way, but I think just, just to remind that it's important while you do this to also keep, keep your values close to heart so that when you're scheduling and so on and also evaluating, knowing what's, what's really important for you. And maybe also do the evaluation uh, based on that. So, for instance, you can you can use um, use that as a basis to maybe determine three things that you want to change until you do the next audit, for instance, to see if okay, have have I accomplished what I want to in terms of feeling healthier and being a healthier human being uh, based on the changes that I implemented since last time. Oh yeah. So one last, one last little thing I want to say is that when we begin to monitor or track anything, we automatically begin to improve. Mm. So it seems, I mean, that's why those Fitbits and all those little gadgets are very, I mean, can be very helpful, um, is that we automatically, it's just our human nature, like as we start to shed the light of awareness on what it is that we're doing, we naturally start to hold ourselves accountable. And so I just want to reiterate that just by just by trying to, to track your time, you're going to start to make improvements no matter what. So you can't really get this wrong. And the other thing is that this is an art. So to be too rigid or too judgmental or too strict is part of the spectrum of learning and and but over time this is something that is massaged with like freedom and and like the elegance of just not being so hard on ourselves and it will create um over time if we do this regularly and often the opportunity to not be so rigid and so strict and so disciplined but it does take it does take a tender discipline to um, begin the process and to really take a look at what where our blind spots are and and what we're doing with our time. So yeah, anything and, else? And and I just came to when you said that I just came to think about one uh, thing that I try to keep in mind that one of my friends said to me once, or she often says it actually. So that's why I kind of remember it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's do what you can with what you have. So that just to remember and to, to remember for myself that it, it's often not possible to do everything that you want to, but depending on where the situation is right now, you can always do what you can with what you have at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. So I mean, she's right now in in a place where she has she has a baby and and a little bit older boy. So I mean, she can't really do all the things. She cannot sleep all night and so on. But she can still do what you, what you can with what you have. So oh my maybe gosh, that, that be a little bit kind to yourself when yes. doing the time as well. Yeah, be kind to yourself. And what that reminds me of another thing. I think it's James Clear who says, "Do the first do first things first. Second things, not at all. Yeah, yeah, kind of like the the one point list that I, I talk yeah. about sometimes. That you should only have one thing on your list, and it should be the imp- most important thing for you to do right now. Once you've crossed it out, you can add another thing, and it's a great exercise also in the art of focusing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Foot nerds. Well, we, um, that does it. We hope that you found this lesson helpful. We hope that you connect with your learning partner and your pod mates. We really value your time and we thank you for being here. We don't take it lightly that you're here. And, um, yeah, so we will see you in the next lesson. So ciao for now, friends. Ciao for now.